Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. We hope that you will join us in person this Sunday at 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.35 for the service. We promise you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please go to gpnd.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress. There's a little in my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's heaven and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. say next Sunday is a very important Sunday for us. It's Debt Retirement Day. And what I'm asking is we're trying to get our debt down. And uh, we started off with uh, on the facilities, the property, the uh, buildings and everything, two and a half million dollars. Two and a half million. And we've got it down now to $581,000. That's pretty good. Amen. That's good. We've done our best, and uh, so we're trying to make a dent and bring that down. And so let me just encourage all of you, even you who are watching live stream, that if you could help us, we would appreciate it so much. Make a sacrificial gift. Carol and I, we pray. I never ask you to do something we don't try to do. Uh, we're praying about what God would have us give, and we want to give a sacrificial gift ourselves. And so if all of us together, we can make a big dent in this thing. So let me encourage you, next uh, uh, Sunday is Debt Retirement Day. And whatever you can do, whether it's a dime, whether it's a nickel, or whether it's $581,000, that will be fine. We just ask you to participate, all of us together. We're very proud of our church, and uh, the indebtedness has hung over our head for 13 years now. We've been trying to pay this thing down. And so if you could help, we'd appreciate that so much. And if you're in a condition you can't, we understand. But most of us can try to make some kind of sacrifice, okay? Father, we love you. We ask you to bless the offering this morning. Thank you for the faithfulness of our people who give sacrificially every week to make sure that the services and the ministries, the facilities, the lighting, the electric... <laughs> On and on it goes, and uh, they've done such a wonderful job, and we are so proud of them for that effort. And I just pray that this coming Sunday that all of us together would join with each other's heart and try to give the best sacrificial gift we could give 
so that we can bring this down. So we ask you ahead of time, and then we thank you ahead of time of what you're going to do. Bless this service. Be a stand, the choir, the specials. May it be about you the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I need to do Would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you There's a wound here in my heart Something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place All your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine Only scars in heaven Won't be to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken All the old will be made new The thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven or on the hands that hold you now I know the road you walked was anything but easy You picked up your share of scars along the way Oh, but now you're standing in the sun You fought your fight and your race is won Now the pain's a million miles away Cause the only scars in heaven Won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken All the old will be made new The thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now Not a day goes by that I don't see you Cause you live on and on in the better parts of me Until I'm standing in the sun I'll fight this fight and this race I'll run Till I finally see what you can see Oh, the only scars in heaven won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new The thought makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down 
only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now.
is going to come and sing a great song has wonderful words on it called what an anchor what an anchor Understanding cannot be explained. It's a precious mystery God has given only to the saints. Though troubled winds may rage and threaten. My child have no fear What an anchor What a promise We will never be alone Through the darkest 
provides the calm assurance through His holy word. What an anchor in our Savior, settled and secure. soul who finds his rest in Jesus overcomes by faith believing God is somehow working through the tears and the pain this world can never comprehend it for they have no hope but we are confident in knowing that our anchor holds he's worthy oh what an anchor assurance through his holy word what an anchor in our Savior settled and secure oh he provides the call Assurance through his holy word, what an anchor in our Savior, Last week in Texas, they made it illegal to abort a child that has a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. And it was usually, it's usually detected around six, seven weeks. And I think that's a shame that you even have to wait for that to think you're going to abort the baby. But uh, the Supreme Court would not hear arguments against it. They voted five to four not to listen to it. And what that meant was that upheld the Texas law. Uh, yeah. Well, thank God for these people standing up 
who are not ashamed of saying things. Now, when this happened this past week, there was an explosion of attacks against Texas and uh, from Hollywood, from the media, and all just flabbergasted. They're shocked. On and on it goes. And they're saying things from Cher to whoever it might be. And uh, then Pelosi, of course, she says when Congress resumes in uh, late September, they're bringing forward, they're going to use all the power that they possibly can muster up to defeat this Texas law, even if it means doing things in the Supreme Court. Our president said, to not agree with abortion is un-American. Now think that through. To not agree with abortion is un-American. In reality, the majority of Americans, because of science, normal morality, common sense, ethical standards, religious convictions, most of Americans actually are pro-life. And we're grateful for that. We are. Now, we've heard some of the arguments before. Every woman has a right to control their own body, they say. And uh, I saw them on Waters World last night, about 11 o'clock midnight, whenever it was, and uh, they were dancing around in circles holding up signs, and this is the woman's body, thus her right, and so on. And you just think to yourself, what about that other body that's living inside of that body? Amen? Then some people say, well, every child should be a wanted child. And I think to myself, how selfish to be willing to take a life because of my selfishness. And then it's just a termination of pregnancy, they say, protoplasma. And I say, no, it's not all stages. They are human beings inside a womb. And then they say, well, it's our right to have freedom of choice. Freedom of choice is not liberty to do what we want to do, but we do what is right to do. Amen? I think that's so important, by the way. Uh, when you exclude God in the Bible, you can come up with these things, can't you? And then they say being legal, it stops back alley abortions. And, of course, that's untrue. It increases abortions. That would be like, shouldn't we legalize crime in order to decrease it? <laughs> oh, boy. So, prior to Roe versus Wade in 1973, there were 500,000 illegal abortions a year. Within one year, there were a million abortions a year. Today, it's something like a million and a half babies are aborted every year. I was looking at a study, a survey, and they said 93% of abortions are for social, financial, convenience sake. Isn't that amazing? 93% of it. 3% for health, for rape and incest, 1%. So 93% 
actually it's 98%, but 93% don't want the child, so they just do away with the child. There have been more aborted babies than that have been killed more than in all the world wars put together. Now you think that through sometimes. There are four basic types of abortion in America, and there are a few other types, I understand, but four ones that I think of. The suction type, that's where an unborn child is literally vacuumed out of the mother's womb during the early stages of her pregnancy. Then there's the caret type. That's where the child is cut from the mother's womb and is scraped out with a long spoon-like instrument. There's a cesarean operation. That's where the baby is surgically removed from the mother and allowed to suffocate because the baby's lungs aren't fully developed yet. And then there's the salt brine or salt brine, however you say that. The unborn child is burned up, actually. They're pickled to death from an injected salt solution, and a few days later, the child is stillborn. There are partial birth abortions where a child is partially delivered, then stabbed in the skull to have his brain sucked out. And I remember that under another administration. The Rue 486, it's a chemical abortion pill from France. They call it the day after pill, and it prohibits pregnancy hormones, and normally it can be used anytime, seven weeks, four for 49 days, and it does away with the child. So as a Christian, you have to step back and ask yourself, what does the Bible say about life? Well, Genesis chapter 30, verse 22 and following, and God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Then it states in Ruth 4.13, it says this here, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and, went, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception. That's when it begins, at conception. And she bare a son. The Bible says when referring to a pregnant woman that it is special. And he says women are with child. That word with child occurs 26 times and the term with fetus never occurs one time, by the way. Luke chapter 1 verse 36, and behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month, yet he's called a son and so on. Isn't that interesting? With her who was called uh, who, was, who was called barren. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, John the Baptist, and Elizabeth's womb, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? 
a babe in a womb heard news and leaped. So a son and a babe here. It's not the fetus in the womb. Exact same word is used for Christ in the manger and after he was born. In Luke 2.16, it says this here. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So in God's eyes, an unborn babe, a newborn babe, are the same, both living human beings. David said this in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David said he was conceived. Life begins at conception. It's not a fetus. It's not a blob of tissue being conceived, but a human. Psalm 139 Verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and the curious wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet they, there was none of them. Even before they were created, he knew their parts and everything, and it fulfilled. And who, by the way, is that even talking about? Who's in the womb there? And his name is David. And he's telling about a literal living person himself. Jeremiah 1.5 says this here, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God knew Jeremiah before they even had conception. He says that, of Ishmael, Isaac, Josiah, and Solomon even. Then in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22, if men strive and hurt a woman with child, she's pregnant, so that her fruit depart from her, that child, yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as a woman's husband will lay up on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. And that's something. God views an unborn child as a person. Roe versus Raid was passed in 1973. The Senate voted in 1974, 87 to 0, to bar the execution of a pregnant woman. Why would that be? <laughs> because they consider it to be a life. And to think that uh, last year, year before last, that in New York City they passed the law that a person, can, a lady can have a baby, wait for 24 hours, and if they don't want that baby after 24 hours, they kill it. Now think that through. 
That is mind-boggling. Now, why is abortion harmful? Well, number one, it involves shedding innocent blood. Proverbs 6.16 says this, These six things doth the Lord hate, yet seven are abomination to the Lord, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. If there's anybody innocent, it's a child in the womb of its mother. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 25, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. That's God's mindset. It's shedding of innocent blood. Secondly, it devalues human life. Human life is precious to God. It's the highest form of life created on this earth. And the reason is, he said, let us make man in our image. We are created after the image of Almighty God himself. It's so important that God himself instituted the death penalty that if anyone takes a life from another, their blood should be shed. Genesis 9, 6. So he places great value on human life. But abortion promotes a message that life is not so valuable and man can do whatever he pleases or wants to do. The question is this here. How long before the government determines it's justifiable to the killing of the elderly people? Or the sick people? Why even stop there? Why not justify and make it lawful to kill believers who refuse to conform to this world's system? When does it stop? Number three, abortion harms because it shows a lack of natural affection. It states in 2 Timothy 3.3, without natural affection. That's a sign of the end times. For a lady, for a mom, that's the natural, I mean, it's natural to conceive birth to a child where you love that child, you help that child, you try to help it to be able to grow up and mature. That's the natural process that God has ordained. It's not natural to end that child's life. That is not natural. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. They're special to God. And it's God that we read a while ago who opens and closes wombs. Hello? Hello? Hello, hello, hello. Number four, it's harmful because it encourages more sin. Ecclesiastes 8.11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. If they're not judged quickly, the people say, well... Nothing bad is happening here anyway, and they'll do more evil if not quickly addressed. Sin will increase. Why will a million-plus women have abortions this year? It's 
popular as an answer to consequences or circumstances. It's no longer illegal. It's no longer considered shameful by our society. Over and over, she then helps as an advertisement to other girls to get an abortion. It encourages immorality of adultery and a fornication because if one becomes pregnant, then all they have to do is have an abortion and the taxpayers will help pay the cost. Hello? Yeah. At the beginning, abortion advocates, they argued and said that only extreme and rare conditions merited an abortion. Just those extreme and rare conditions would we want ever an abortion. Today you can get an abortion for almost any reason. It has increased. Do you understand that we have killed in our country 60 million aborted babies? Think that through sometime. That ought to break our heart. Number five, it shows a lack of faith. Romans 14, 23 says this here. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Yes, I'm pregnant. So what do I do? Well, I believe we have to trust God and we have to come up with some options. Brother, my parents are going to help me. Brother, my grandparents are going to help me. Or rather, I put it up for adoption. There are different ways of handling this. And to have an abortion takes matters into your own hands. And it's not trusting God to be able to work things out in your life. God would say it's time to stop listening to the wisdom of the world and start listening to his wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen? Number six, abortion is harmful. It's an attempt to destroy the God-given potential of a child's life. Abortion is an attempt to do away with unwanted people. Huh? They say, but it's legal. Who is it legal to? Isaiah 5.20 said this here, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Amen? States in Exodus 1.16, And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools to have a baby, if it be a son then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, and, but saved the men children alive. Sometimes you need to do what God says regardless of what our government says. Acts chapter 5 verse 28 
saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name, Jesus? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Some of you old-timers remember Ethel Waters. And Ethel Waters, uh, in her story, her autobiography, his eyes up on the sparrow, that's what she would always sing. She said, I never knew, I never, I'm sorry, I never was a child. I never felt belonged. I was always an outsider. Her mother resented and disliked her because she conceived Ethel as a result of a knife-point rape when she was only 12 years old. Ethel raised over 20 little girls, giving them all the love and discipline she never had as a child. She supported her mother all of her life, and her mother was able, before she died, to accept her and tell her she loved her, an event Ethel placed as the greatest in her life except for finding Christ. She toured 15 years with the Billy Graham crusade. There are no regrets, not even sighs, only joy and thanksgiving to the Lord for this life he gave me. For I was born naked and strong enough to make my own way on my own. And there is no greater gift of destiny. Should Ethel Waters have been aborted? Or did God have a purpose to her life in spite of the manner in how she was conceived? And through abortion, think of all the potential that has been lost as a result of it in this country alone. And lastly, number seven, it's harmful because it often brings shame, heartache, and regrets. David said this in Psalm 51.3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I can't get this out of my mind. And what had he done? He had killed an innocent person, Bathsheba's husband. Isn't that interesting? And he said, it just keeps replaying over and over in my mind. A lady who had a salt saline abortion took out a full-page ad of the Washington Post years ago and said of her mental torments every day. She said this, Every day, hell of never hearing a baby cry without crying within myself, counting days to see how old the baby would have been, wondering what contributions my baby would have made to our desperate society, and wondering if there will ever be another chance for motherhood. Of the abortion itself, the lady recalls, sitting in the crowded waiting room, studying each other's fearful, anxious faces, signing death certificates for what is very much alive within you, seeing crying women given tranquilizers and sent home to recuperate and try to forget. That's in the mind and the heart of a lady who had an abortion. 
years ago, you might remember, there was a book called Whatever Happened to the Human Race, and it was C. Everett Koop and Francis Schaeffer. And they said this, now don't miss this, without a biblical view of life, what is unthinkable today becomes thinkable tomorrow. Isn't that so true? My challenge to you this morning is very, very simple, is please, from this point on, be pro-life. Give that baby an opportunity to go on and to live. And even if you have a friend or even if yourself, you've had an abortion, we're not judging you. We're not condemning you. All we're saying is, from now on, do what God wants you to do. Be pro-life. And I believe God will bless you for doing that. And reach out to God. He's full of grace and mercy. He cleanses. He helps us to be able to go forward in the right way, his way. He told Israel in Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, come and just talk with me. And we'll clear this whole thing up, he says. The Apostle Paul says to us, the great verse, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God says, I have a sufficient grace for you if you'll just look to me. And I'll help you through all of this. And I'll take you forward so you can be something for me. And by the way, for all those babies that have been aborted here in our country, I say to you, that's not the end. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. <laughs> the government and its policies may have helped take the life of a child, its body, but our government could not touch that child's soul. Amen? And because of God's grace, heaven is populated with all these little souls. And I believe they're waiting for you, that you'll be there too. I've read this a couple times. It's old, but it gets its point across. I'm closing. It's a diary of the unborn child. October 5th, today my life began. My mother and daddy do not know it yet. I'm smaller than an apple seed, but already I am a girl. I will have blonde hair and blue eyes. I will love flowers. Oh, how I love my mommy. I am right beneath her heart. October 19th. 14 days have passed. I'm growing so fast, but mother still does not know about me. I am a real person. I am not a loaf of bread yet, but I am a crumb, and a crumb is bread too. <laughs> October 23rd. My mouth is beginning to open. It is small now, but soon I will be laughing and talking. Just wait. October 25th, 
Guess what? My heart began to beat today. Isn't that wonderful? November the 2nd. Not even a month has passed, and I'm growing arms and legs. I can't wait to climb up in Daddy's lap and hug him. November 12th, I have been around now for just over one month, and I have a little small fingers and toes. They are so tiny. November 20th, today the doctor told Mommy about me. I know she is happy. Aren't you happy, Mommy? November 25th, I wonder what name they will give me. They do not know what I am, a little girl. I wish they would name me Barbara. I like that name. I have a whole brain now. December 10th, this is my 36th day. My hair is growing. It's smooth and bright. My mommy will love the way I look. I can even swim in here. December 13th, I could, see, I could see sunshine if I were outside, and flowers too. Best of all, I could see mommy and daddy. I have toenails and fingernails. December 24th, I've only been around 50 days, but my heart beats so strongly. Mommy, I'm healthy and bright. I'm all here. December 28th, today my life was taken. We need to stand up, fight for them. I told you about a young lady named Kim. I believe it was Vietnam. Her mom and dad didn't want her, threw her in a river, believing the crocodiles would eat her. For some reason, a missionary was there. Found young Kim before it drowned. Saw it floating. Brought it back, breathing and all that. Raised her. I heard her sing at Tennessee Temple. Most... Beautiful voice. You ever heard? And a million and a half were not given a chance this past year. God forgive us. Father, we love you. We're thankful that our parents didn't abort us, that we have life, and we've had potential. 
in this group right here, a lot of, most all of them have done some amazing things. And none of that would have been possible if their mom or dad said, I don't want to have a child. It's inconvenient. So God, we're grateful for life. And while we have it, may each opportunity we have when people are talking about it, may we be willing to step up and say, wait a minute. God loves life. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Help us to say something, do something that would allow that child to live. I pray. And we need you through it all. Thank you for the people. We love them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.